Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, it's sometimes hard to know whether to laugh or cry when we think of our pre-pandemic selves, unaware of the public health crisis that would upend our lives and claim more than two and a half million people worldwide. We've asked listeners to share the advice they'd give to their oblivious past selves, and responses have ranged from the philosophical, things are going to get stranger, to the practical, get your bike fixed. What's the one piece of advice you'd give your pre-pandemic self? Tell us after this news. This is Forum. I'm Nina Kim. Today, to mark one year ago this week when California first went on lockdown in the face of a deadly pathogen... We're asking listeners to share what they tell their pre-pandemic selves. It's okay to cry, wrote one KQED listener. No need to wash the groceries, you look crazy, wrote another. (laughs) Here's a clip from a YouTube video that went viral last April of comedian and actor Julie Nolke offering some advice to her January 2020 self. Okay, it might be be a good time to just, you know, get get that body in tip-top shape. Get get strong, get those lungs a-pumping. You know, cardio, little aerobic. What the hell is going to happen? <laughs> Julie Nolke joins me now. Julie Nolke, welcome to Forum. Thank you for having me. God, that advice about exercise reminds me of a listener who wrote in saying, do the online yoga. It sucks, I know, but find the instructor posting classes you like and just surrender to it. <laughs> um <laughs> Julie, what inspired you to make these videos? Were you thinking a lot about basically what little we knew when 2020 began? Yes, absolutely. I was thinking about how every day felt like something unprecedented was happening in my lifetime, you know, in our lifetime collectively as a as the human species. So to think that only three months previous um, from when I made the video, that life was completely different. It, it was such a surreal idea to me. So I wanted I wanted to try and recreate, or maybe not recreate, but um, imagine what would it be like to go back in time and talk to myself. I want to play actually a little more from your video. This is when Julie in April tells Julie in January 2020 to get a dog. You should get a dog. I want a dog. You know I want a dog. I just, they're, they're, they're a lot of work and you've got to walk. You've got to go outside with them twice a day. Right. The walks are going to be clutch. Right. But I mean, I have to leave them because I have so much travel coming up. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. 
you don't. Well, yeah, I, I'm traveling for work. Oh, you won't be working. <laughs> That's again from Julie Nolke's video telling her pre-pandemic self or giving as much information she can, you know, in light of the butterfly effect. You had to be a little vague there, right, Julie? <laughs> of course. Of course. Yes. For the time loophole. Yes. Yes. We didn't want to freak, freak her out completely. But the other thing that you really capture there is that that if you only knew feeling like if you only knew what mm -hmm. was about to hit you. Um, and it made me think about how ultimately what we really went through was this loss of innocence. You know, like what seemed impossible in February was reality in April and, and mm -hmm. onward throughout the year. And I was wondering how you think about this loss of innocence that we've experienced either personally or, or how you thought about it to, to be able to do your videos. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been challenging, of course, because I'm trying to look at it from a comedic lens and trying to bring a lightness to it. But um, the realities of it is there was no way to prepare for this. And even if I could go back and tell myself, I don't know that I really could have um, grasped what was going to happen or, or the emotional toll that this would all take. Um, but yeah, it has been challenging specifically to try and make comedic videos out of a year that just felt, you know, really, really terrible mm. on multiple fronts. Was it hard, especially in the beginning, to feel like you had permission to say funny things about the pandemic? Absolutely. Yeah, because when I when that first video came out, which was almost exactly a year ago, um, it was kind of one of the first that was taking a, a comedic perspective on what was happening. And so I, I wanted to give permission to laugh um, because there was so much heaviness in the world. But I also felt um, the need to be very careful and reverent because there was a lot of pain and suffering and unknowns. And if you'll remember back then, there was kind of an air of anxiety around everywhere because we just, we just didn't know what this was going to turn into. So, right. um, in creating my videos, I was really trying to balance that feeling of reverence and respect while also just trying to break the tension, you know? <laughs> Do you think that's why it struck such a chord that people were feeling this sort of duality? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, I made the video for myself as mm -hmm. a way to process what was happening for myself. And I think that's the beauty of comedy is that something that resonated so personally for me that I felt was very niche ended up resonating on a global level because everybody was in the same boat and it was very scary, but there were also aspects of it that were kind of insane and crazy to even grasp. And so, um, so I think that's one of the reasons why it took off in the way that it did. You also capture this, this notion of duality in the sense that um, you're this person who's accrued all this really unpleasant knowledge, the April Julie has, and you're living and you're visiting this person who didn't know that much. But at the same time, even today, we're people who I think have accrued all this knowledge, yet also at the same time want to believe that things will get better. We need to believe that things will get better soon. <laughs> Do you feel like you still yeah. live with these two conflicting inner personalities? And the other reason that I ask is because 2020 ended up being like, a real breakout year for you personally, along with yes. being this deadly pandemic year. 
Absolutely. Well, exactly. And I don't want to pretend like it's been, I mean, it's been a challenging year, but I have been one of the very, very lucky few to really, really benefit. Um, And for a lot of reasons, career wise, it was amazing. And that's why it was all the more confusing because on the one hand, I had some of my biggest career dreams come true. And on the other, it was in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, and, And of course the protests in June and, you know, seeing all these things happen and and trying to grasp them and and feel the gravity of them while also just wanting to celebrate for myself. That was uh, really challenging. But yeah, uh, to your first question, I definitely feel like I, there's still a part of me that yearns to go back to normal, especially now, especially coming out of this winter, um, it being Mm. as emotionally exhausting as it was, I really, really look to the finish line and it just keeps feeling like the finish line is getting farther and farther or somebody keeps moving it. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so it can be hard. I, I want to hold on to hope and I want to stay, uh, stay light in my heart, not to sound too corny, but um, this, I think this is the hardest time out of the whole year. I would say this is the most challenging for me for some reason. Yeah, I, that's so interesting you say that because I was struck by the fact that you have made four parts to this video now. The pandemic mm-hmm. has lasted so long and so much has kept happening that you kept making videos. I mean, did you ever anticipate when you made the one in April that you would ultimately be making like a December Julie talking to an October Julie? Oh my gosh, absolutely not. No, and and actually once I had released the first video and it did so well, I had people asking for more videos and I, you know, kind of made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to make anymore because that's not what I wanted to be known for. I didn't want to be a, a flash in the pan who was going to be, you know, the pandemic funny girl because um, I wanted to show what all else I had to offer. And right. then um, the events with George Floyd happened. And it, uh, once again, it felt like we had an unprecedented shift globally and again, I was like, wow, I I'm struggling to process all of this. And I think this is the perfect time for me to make another one of these videos because I I felt in my gut that I needed to, um, create content that helped me digest it, knowing that that also, you know, resonated with so many people. So that was the hope with the second video. And then sure enough, more stuff keeps happening. And before I knew it, I had content enough for four videos. Will there be a part five? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I, I think there was probably a possibility when, when there was the Capitol riots and the new variant, um, that was probably the time to do it. But I, I think, I think for now, I really enjoyed making those videos and I'm really, really just overwhelmed to hear how many people they touched, but, um, it, it did get to the point where I was worried that it felt like I was capitalizing on bad news. And I don't, I don't want to wish that. And I don't want to feel like I'm, or anyone to perceive that I'm exploiting, you know, these horrible things that are happening. So I think it was, I think it was a great chapter for me uh, as an artist and a comedian and an actor. Um, It helped me process things. And I think it, you know, a lot of people got a lot of good stuff out of it, but from here on in, um, I, I'd hopefully like to say that there's no more, unfortunately, as sad well, as that might sound for and some. And hopefully that will mean that we've turned such a significant corner that there there won't need to be. Um, well, let me read you a few of the comments that we have been getting from listeners about things that they would tell their pre-pandemic self. And they and they are the whole range. They're, you should have bought those disinfecting wipes when you saw them at Costco. <laughs> and somebody else uh, saying... Yes. 
Break up now. Don't get stuck in quarantine with this person. <laughs> Ooh, or or fuck person to quarantine with. Right. Hug each friend for an extra 10 seconds. It'll be a while before you'll be able to safely do that. Um, and then another person, we got uh, several that were like, get stock, which reminds me of one of the things that you told your pre-pandemic self, which was uh, to get Zoom stock. But people writing get oh, yeah. stock get zoom get GameStop, mm -hmm. things like that i'm actually going to play <laughs> GameStop. one last clip from that first video just because it was so early in the beginning and made me remember something that i had forgotten as the year went on so here is again april julie talking to january julie okay well that's i mean that's incredible you know especially given the australian wildfires the what oh yeah because i mean those are pretty like i think those are going to be the defining feature of 2020 yeah you'd think oh no not even a little bit really Wait, because they're they're a pretty big deal yeah your definition of a pretty big deal is going to change <laughs> julie nolke is there one thing that you didn't include in your videos that you would tell your pre-pandemic self if you could go back now a year in oh my goodness i mean just the superficial stuff. I would tell myself to dye my hair my natural color because I have been fighting with roots for the whole year as, I, as my hair is blonde. Um, but no, no. I mean, it's, again, it's been a pretty fantastic year for me in spite of everything that's happened. So I'm just eternally grateful. Well, congratulations. And thanks so much for doing the videos and bringing some levity to a really difficult situation. Julie Nolke, actor, comedian, writer, uh, her viral videos talking to her pre-pandemic self are something that uh, got millions and millions of viewers. And uh, I want to invite our listeners to stay with us and to tell us what they would tell their pre-pandemic selves. You can give us a call 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Email us forum at kqed.org or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about what you would say if you could talk with yourself before the pandemic altered your life with loss or economic fallout or isolation. We're reflecting on what we didn't know a year ago and what our lack of knowledge can teach us. And you can join the conversation by calling 866-733-6786. You can post your thoughts on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us, forum at kqed.org. Some listener comments we've received so far. Pace yourself with entertaining your kids. Also get ready for some picnics. Lots and lots of picnics. Another person writes, a long walk outside on the Bay Trail can be just as, if not more, enjoyable with a friend as a glass of wine at a cramped bar. And another person writes, go ahead and cut all of your hair off. You will have a long time to grow it out. <laughs> Joining me now is Adrian Bankert, national correspondent for ABC News and author of Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and Connects You with Anyone. Adrian Bankert, thanks so much for joining us. 
Oh, Mina, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was because you did something slightly different. You wrote a letter to your future self, and you were Mm -hmm. essentially reassuring yourself that you had the strength to get through a lot of difficulty. Can you tell us a little bit about this letter? Yeah, well, I was thinking, what would I tell a friend who needed to be encouraged during the time of the pandemic, especially around April and May, which for most people around the country and around the world was an intense time. Um, My heart was just breaking for people who lived alone and living in New York, working in media. There are a lot of us who come with this, you know, wing and a prayer kind of dream to go out to New York and pursue this career that is larger than life. And when all the Broadway lights were shut off and when everyone was told to stay in their houses, I wondered how people were coping. And so I thought, if I'm feeling a little bit stuck and sad, then I can't even imagine what some other folks are feeling. But I needed to write a letter to my future self to say, you made it. And to give myself a vision, kind of give myself a target at the end of the tunnel. You know, so I I told people that writing a letter to your future self creates light at the end of your own tunnel. What were some of the things that you said in this letter to your future self? Well, I made sure to reassure myself that I was going to focus on the fact that I did have relationships and people who cared about me. Hmm. You know, when you didn't get to see people, um, it was just nice to be reminded that people did still care, even if they weren't physically present. We had to, of course, get used to all the Zoom calls and there was lots of FaceTime. I actually ended up sending video text messages to a number of people because I got sick of seeing words you know, digital words, text and emails just became old uh, for me. So I just, um, I reassured myself that I was making it because of the fortitude and the strength uh, that going through something like this can do to you. You know, we look at a lot of the negatives, but there are some positives to being resilient during a time like this. Yeah, we we have a couple of comments along those lines. We had a listener who wrote, that they would tell themselves, you are more resilient than you give yourself credit. And then there was another person who wrote, you're going to lose friends, which I thought was a really interesting one. I'm wondering, did this happen to you or did you fear it would happen to you? It sounds like a little bit. No, actually, um, I actually gained friends during the um, during the pandemic. I think the what happened was the isolation mm-hmm. was so stark. And for us in journalism, in the beginning, we were reporting from our homes, mostly. Uh, I mean, there were some people who were on the street um, in the field, but most of us were told, you know, you're going to do your job from home. And that socialization is so a part of our job, our day to day, that I knew that people were longing for socialization again. I would go to the grocery stores in the deli and be extra friendly. I would, I mean, people were averting their eyes. People were looking away. People weren't paying attention to other people. They were in their own zone. They were fearful, but I would really make a choice to kind of gaze into people's eyes and let them know that I was present. Um, it actually helped me to connect with some folks. And then social media became a, a place to connect with people too. Cause I, I released my book during this pandemic in June. That's right. And, that's so that kind of created a bridge to connection. I just, I know other people didn't have that. And so the whole writing of the letter came about by me being empathetic and saying, 
what does it feel like if you don't have a book launch or, you know, a job that takes you out of your house sometimes, um, you know, what could I do for those folks and what would encourage them to help them reset in a time when the whole world felt upside down and sideways? Yeah. Let me go to caller Kathleen and Martinez. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, good morning. What I would say to my pre-pandemic self is you better be sure to get a very, very good haircut because it's <laughs> going to have to last you one to two years. And, you know, in addition to that, you're not going to have any money. Uh, at the end of all this, because you're going to have to spend so much more money on other things, such as politics, mm. you know, to be able to be sure we get a change there because the other people botched the, the pandemic so badly. <laughs> Kathleen. So you're going to spend all your money there. So but oh. that's what I would tell myself. Well, you're reminding me, Kathleen, of a program that we did just a little bit ago about people, um, whether they'll dress up after the pandemic or even if they're dressing up now, because psychologically, uh, if you look a little more put together, if you feel okay about your hair, for example, you psychologically feel a little bit better, too. But Adrian Bankert, you you mentioned resilience. And I, I mean, this may be in some ways part of it, but I am wondering what you learned about resilience through this. For me when I realized that I couldn't let what was happening change me. Mm. You know, a lot of people felt lost. A lot of people, I think, lost themselves in the agony, the uncertainty, the economic downturn. I mean, even restaurant owners right now, if you, if you, if you, if you would be a little more discerning, all of us, right. About what our fellow man, fellow woman is going through, um, some are still going through that transition period. You know, they are calling on that resilience right now. And it's confusing and it's frustrating. You know, there's a whole new set of rules and you could be fined and you could um, make a mistake or, you know, somebody could come in and complain because they don't see a server, you know, put the mask on properly or something. So whether during the pandemic or in the time that we're in now, which is this transition period, what I learned about resilience is the key to resilience is to not let your circumstances change who you are at your core. And there was a lot of people who lost it, lost tempers. I myself had 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 some relationship issues, conversations with people where it was tense, but staying true to that core inside of you of being kind, that is true resilience in the face of so much craziness and confusion and disease. So um, that, I mean, I think that's the key to everything in life because there are going to be people who say things you don't like. There are going to be comments made online that you don't like. There are going to be things done at work that you don't like. But what we tend to do is kind of get upset with everything else. And I couldn't let that happen and stay sane. Yeah. So staying resilient, staying sane, we're very closely linked. Yes. I think it's so interesting because, you know, whether we're talking to our past or future selves, we're taking stock of what we learned about ourselves in this time and sharing that. Mm -hmm. But the difference with um, writing something to your future self is truly that you are reassuring yourself that you will make it to the other side, that there is this future self to talk to and that this future person has really not stopped doing what they're doing and being who they are, even if in so many ways the world stopped around them. Yes, that's the secret sauce to all of life to me. 
you know, this is not going to be the last thing that we go through. I think I mentioned that in my letter, you know, that because you know this is not the last challenge that you'll face in this generation, you now have tools that you can use for the next crisis. Not that we're looking forward to another crisis, but it's inevitable. And the pressure is still on us, even though more people have access to the vaccine. So for me, it was important to create a picture of um, power, a picture of somebody who came through a very tough time, stronger and better than before. It makes me think about and makes me feel optimistic that resilience is something that we can continue to learn and, and cultivate in ourselves. Uh, we're talking with Adrian Banker, national correspondent for ABC News, author of Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and Connects You with Anyone. And we want to hear from you. If you could give your past self one piece of advice to better deal with the pandemic, what would it be? Or what would you tell your future self who's on the other side of the pandemic about what you've learned or what you hope to remember about this period. Again, the number 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. A few more comments that we've gotten. You're going to feel like you've lost everything. It'll suck, but you'll be forced to find yourself. Another person would tell their pre-pandemic self, this will change you and you'll be better for it. Um, and Adrian, feel free if there's any that jump out at you and you want to comment on. But along similar lines, Maggie writes, I'd say, allow yourself to be changed by this experience. Just allow it. That's good. A lot of people don't like change. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't, we don't always like change and change, we, you know, but change is good. And even the hard changes because it exposes us. You know, there are certain things that, you know, will not ever be dealt with until we're uncomfortable. And God knows nobody wished what happened on this planet on any other generation. Um, but when we're there in that storm, what are the two things we can do? We can really have a pity party. We can be upset. We can grieve, which a lot of people are still grieving um, but then there has to be a time of healing. There has to be a time of, you know, rising from the ashes, so to speak, um, because that's the way that humanity moves forward in that strength is learning from what happened, doing it differently next time in the places and spaces that you can control and also not giving up on humanity. You know, I think that for me, I realized how important staying a part of your tribe, having a tribe is, um, especially in times of tragedy. There, there has to be some um, pre-assessed situation for the next crisis so that people who are alone can know that they don't have to be isolated completely. And I think that now we all know kind of which family members need more physical contact or need more quality time, uh, need more checkups and check-ins. And it's not just the elderly. There's different age groups, different stages of life where these, I am a people, people person. Mm -hmm. Like I had an online Facebook live event during the pandemic um, as a charitable fundraiser. And I just needed to express myself in that way with people, because that's what I would have done in person somewhere had the pandemic not been happening. I had to be a, be a creative person and pivot and I think that we do that when it comes to like work, we talk about it in the corporate environment, but we don't necessarily talk about it in our relationships. And so we have to kind of architect what kind of relationships we want, mm. even in the midst of great tragedy, 
so that we don't lose ourselves, don't lose our tribe. Well, let me go to caller Maggie in Ventura. Hi, Maggie. Hi. Hi, what's on your mind? Um, so I would tell myself, my pre-pandemic self, to um, really focus on the positives. I feel like this year I got so much time with my family that I never would have gotten before. You know, both of myself and my husband working from home. I don't think I ever would have gotten this gift of, like, all this time with my young son if it hadn't have been for this. So it was terrible, but I think focusing on that positive really got me through it. Well, Maggie, thanks for sharing that. And I, I'm so glad to hear that you're able to focus on the positives. We actually got this comment um, from a listener uh, named Winston, who was basically <laughs> describing uh, himself as a hermetic misanthrope. I'm currently in hog heaven. I would tell myself, prepare thee for imminent nirvana. So there are definitely people who feel like they've gained a lot, or maybe that the time before the pandemic, even Adrian Bankert, was was it was harder than the time now. Adrian Banker? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, sorry. I think I think that for I apologize. I, I was kind of listening and 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 pondering, but yeah, <laughs> I um I think that you um whatever was happening before the pandemic was only exacerbated by the pressure of the pandemic. If you were very close to your family before, then you grew closer still during the pandemic. So it really was a litmus test for a lot of things because that's, you know, that's where we kind of find out, identify where we are emotionally, mentally uh, together or apart. And it it did it for our country. That's for sure. There was so much pressure put on our country uh, during this past year. So but I love what, what our, our guest said just now, that she spent more time with her family. That is something that I've heard over and over again. And I don't think that we should make light or feel bad about having those beautiful silver linings. No, not at all. Beth writes, I would simply have reminded myself that we would do just fine because we had made wise choices, which would enable us to continue to live debt-free, lack for nothing we needed, and be able to help our neighbors and friends as we always had been doing. Another listener writes, don't make yourself feel guilty if you found out you didn't have the strength to keep to your routines and goals every single day. This, Adrian Becker, reminds me a little bit about an interview you did where you talk about the idea of regret, that it's something many yes. of us are feeling right now, this idea that you know things didn't work out the way we wanted, that we weren't able to control events or avoid disappointment or something like that. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts about regret. Did you write to your future self about regret? Well, it was interesting. I was speaking to a group at USC, the University of Southern California, and um, I was told, you know, this audience is going to be between the ages of 30 and 70. And I said, well, what does a 30-year-old and a 70-year-old have in common? And the one word that I got was regret. Hmm. And so I think even young people, very young people have regret. You know, they didn't get to walk in their graduations. Um, I was very um, grateful that I found out there was a charitable organization, Sacramento Helping Hands, uh, and Walmart actually partnered together, and they provided the employees who work there an outdoor graduation ceremony that they live streamed to family members, and they just got creative in the midst of the pandemic uh, to make something feel like home. So in terms of regret, a lot of people are remorseful over the fact that life did not, you know, 2020 did not have that perfect vision that they expected. And it it happened at the top of the year. 
you know, some people are stressed out because their kids, they feel, are losing a whole year of schooling, essentially, even mm-hmm. though they're still in in school. It's the way that it's changed and the way that they're engaging or not engaging, and that's causing regret. Um, you know, different job choices and changes. Um, there, there are a number of different things where we can get disappointed that life isn't going the way that we expected it to. But here's what I know for sure. And this speaks to writing that letter, putting that vision out for a future self, a post pandemic self. Um, It's that, as I shared with that audience at USC, when you have turning power, when you can turn from what happened and learn from it, and then see yourself taking the turn to another side of the mountain, to coming around the bend, then you can actually pick up momentum for whatever you're going to do next, because looking back is never going to give you what you need to go forward. And the fact is, is that just like technology, where if you think about all the times we've used the term viral, video gone viral, then we had a viral outbreak. I think of technology as very spontaneous. And I think there are signposts now that are saying that it'll be a moment of time and things are going to hit the ground running again. It'll be a moment in time and we're going to see a shift in how people interact and engage in the marketplace again and in our communities again. And maybe we will all be wearing masks, but there will be more that's going to be done and we're going to have to be ready for it. So rather than take that regret and just sulk in it, drop it and turn the corner and see what else you can do for the next stage of your life, the next chapter. We'll have more with Adrian Bankert after the break. We're talking about what advice you'd give your pre-pandemic self. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Have you scrolled back through your photos weeks before the pandemic became real and thought, if you only knew what was about to hit you, well, what would you have wanted you to know? Share that one thing you tell your pre-pandemic self. You can call us at 866-733-6786, email us at forum at kqbd.org, or post it on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. We're talking with Adrian Bankert, national correspondent for ABC News and author of Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and Connects You with Anyone. And joining us now is Teresa Puente, professor of journalism at Cal State University, Long Beach. Teresa Puente, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. You, like Adrian Banker, turned to letter writing during this pandemic. And in this particular case, you wrote a letter to your journalism students at Cal State Long Beach when school just shut down suddenly and you didn't have a chance to say goodbye in person. First, can you remind us what that was like for you? I mean, the schools, the colleges, they all shut down so fast. Do you remember how you felt? 
Yes, um, it was Mar March 12th of last year, and uh, I had class that day, and that same morning we received an email that basically said, don't come to campus tomorrow. I teach a social media communication class, and I, I wondered who's going to show up, and most of the students did show up, and I realized that I had a responsibility as, a, as an educator and as a journalist to sort of... Um, to, to sort of give them some sort of assurance. And one of the students said to me in class, Professor, has anything like this ever happened before? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, the closest thing to me uh, in terms of the experience of, of, of us kind of shutting down was 9-11. But then I realized most of my students were either not born yet or only one or two. So they had no collective memory of what it was like to be in crisis or experience grief. And, um, and I think what came out of my, what, what, I, what I told them is um, don't panic, don't be afraid, um, stay informed, you know, as journalism students, uh, part of what I teach is media literacy and how to identify fake news and misinformation, which boy, that was a lesson um, to give them, but also um, to take care of themselves that, you know, we're, we're going to get through the end of the semester. And now it's my third semester teaching completely online, but that, um, you know, of course, I want my students to succeed, but it's most important that they take care of their, their physical and mental health. Yes, you wrote this letter of advice to your students, basically, a couple months afterwards. And it sounds like to me that you were really concerned um, about what they were going to face and, and really wishing that you could have said more um, when it all happened initially. Yes, I mean, I, I had no idea, you know, and when I wrote that letter, it was about three months after the pandemic. And now we're a, a year into it. We had no idea it would last this long. But um, yeah, it was actually um, not just advice for them, but sort of for me as well as, as a way to ground myself. And mm. um, some of the things I shared with them is um, to focus on self-care and um, like, what can you do to take care of your your yourself? And for me, that's involved walking regularly. Um, I was in a situation at the start of the pandemic where I lived alone, so I had to establish weekly, I had a, I set up a weekly Sunday night call with my family in Chicago and did weekly yoga with a, a friend through Zoom. So I had to create routines so I wouldn't feel so isolated. Um, and I also talked about showing generosity and kindness to others because, mm. you know, we're all going through something. And I also just want to acknowledge all the collective loss. Like what I wrote in the letters, we're going through a collective grief and we have I know had no idea at that point that it would be more than 500,000 people lost and, and I've lost um, people as well. And so just to, um, you know, acknowledge that, that I tell my students even every, uh, you know, every week, if reach out to me, I hope, you know, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay for it not to feel like normal because this isn't normal um, and it's okay to have feelings and if you need help of any kind that even if it has nothing to do with class just let me know and but to be generous and kind to others is really important and as I was hearing the um, the excellent speaker earlier Adrian and also some of the listeners talking about ways to be to show gratitude and you know I acknowledge the great privilege I have that I I'm an educator, but I'm able to work from the safety of my own home and and also gratitude for all of those on the front lines and healthcare workers and grocery workers and farm workers and just acknowledge sort of my responsibility 
um, to to the community. Yes, I, I really do think there has been remarkable consistency in some of the responses that we've gotten of people really reminding each other to be kind to each other, um, to tell loved ones that they love that they love them, but also, as you say, to be kind to yourself. Um, and you mentioned loss. There was this comment that we got that was very poignant. This person writes, call your mom and your brother as much as you possibly can. Tell them you love them, keep them company, and encourage them to rest and take care of themselves at home to stay safe. Insist on seeing their faces in your calls and record them so you can hold on to them. You won't be able to hear their voices again next year. You mentioned to this point day that you've lost people close to you to COVID. And uh, I, I wonder if there are things you've learned now after beginning to process that grief that you would have told yourself pre-pandemic. Well, you know, um, part of just is just to every day treat life with with um gratitude you know i'm I'm sitting here i live in long beach california and you know i have a i have a window my desk's at a window and just appreciating the beauty in front of me and also those experiences with people with friends and family members um you know just to treat every day as as a gift because tomorrow isn't promised it it really isn't it it could be covid it could be you know, something entirely unexpected, but, um, you know, part of what I, I, I felt initially and I, others around me is just a lot of fear and negativity and that's totally understandable, but, um, I've tried really hard through this experience just to focus on small things every day that make me smile or bring me joy and remind my students, um, to do the same. So I do a little icebreaker at the beginning of each class, it's kind of silly, but I, I do it just to, to get them to think about um, life and and um, to bring some some joy and humor into this really horrible collective grief that we're experiencing. Yeah, I, I love that you quoted the poet Mary Oliver in your letter to your students where you say, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Teresa Puente, yes, you wanted to comment on that? Oh, yes, I'm um, just to say too that this um, experience uh, is also opportunity to think about like what difference can I make in the world, um, you know? And that's what I've shared with my students. Like, um, especially if you are in a position of, of of having a little bit more economic privilege, like how can I give to others? Or in thinking forward, what do I want to do with my life? Because, you know, this pandemic has revealed so many inequities, class, race. Um, and other crisis, the racial justice crisis. Yes. Um, and so it's also an invitation for us, you know, we're all sitting at home, you know, um, on Zoom, except for those obviously who have to go out and work face to face. But for those who have the privilege to be at home to also think about like how can I make a difference and invite my students to think about me maybe this will shape their career choices moving forward in terms of how can they help make a difference in the world. Teresa Puente, Professor of Journalism at CSU Long Beach. Thanks so much for talking with us. Thank you. And let me go to our listeners. Caller Charcel, Charcel in San Rafael. Thanks Hi. so much for waiting. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for taking my call. I'm very grateful for NPR. You're an important part of my day. Um, I would have paid for comprehensive car insurance. I'm senior disabled. I had an older car. 
and I had my catalytic converter stolen. Oh. Being disabled, I live on less than a thousand a month, so I can't afford to repair it. I can't afford to buy another car. Oh. And I have been uber isolated since since l- losing my car. Um, I didn't even know the flowers were blooming till someone took me to the doctor last week. I mean, the trees were blooming. And um, I had been doing great. And I'm still basically okay. I'm computer literate and my painting has soared. It's fabulous. But not having a car is horrible. Oh, well, Charcel, thank you for sharing that. NPR has been helpful to you. I just want to say that calls like yours are so helpful to us, too. They just make us feel so much more connected to each other. And I'm sorry for what you have gone through. But at the same time, just really appreciate you reminding us just how how lucky we we are uh, for the things that we do have. Um, Adrian Beckert, I don't know if you had a response to Charcel. Yeah, you just I mean, it, it's unfortunate that things happen um, that seem like it's like piling on top of all the other stuff that we're going through, right? It's like, um, can we take another thing? Can we take another issue that we have to face? Um, You know, our plates are full. But just in terms of what um, Teresa was talking about earlier, having a community when you are facing breakdowns, thefts, grief, interruptions to normal everyday routine is so vital, and I think for me, I realized like you can't you can't pay money to have people who are there for you the way family and friends can be there for you. And so even in the midst of difficulty, just remember relationships are the first thing. And if you're not feeling like you have those relationships, what can you do to connect or attach yourself? You know, is it going to be being part of an online community? Is it going to be joining a Facebook group? Is it going to be joining a church or a volunteer center that is actually doing some work in the community with masks and social distancing? Just prioritizing relationship and connecting with other humans. That to me is the key to staying more than just survival mode ready, but staying life ready. Well, this is writes. I tell myself, don't worry, Biden wins and we'll get our first woman vice president and one of color. The grownups will be back in charge soon. Stephen writes, if I could have given myself some advice before the pandemic, I would have told myself to take my wife out of state to see her elderly mother and give her a hug while she still had the chance. I would have told everyone to do so as so many older people in care homes have died, not directly of the pandemic, but due to the disorienting isolation and inability to adapt to teleconferencing and the need for human touch. Let me go to Leo in San Jose. Hi, Leo. Hi, Leo. Are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Great. Um, I just wanted to say it's really nice to see hear all these positive comments and stuff, but I, at the end of the day, I, I, I struggle with, and it's a, a version of that guilt that, while I was able to stay at home, do a lot of things from home, there's a lot of people who just simply couldn't, and it just shows the economic division that exists and yes. this pandemic has just made it way, way, way worse that some people just are continuing to struggle, are struggling and have struggled a lot for it. And a lot of people, you know, the wealthier have gotten wealthier, more properties, more stuff. And it's just hard to see that sometimes. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned from, from, from this pandemic right now. 
Leo, thanks for sharing that. Greg writes, embrace the horrible reality once and for all that the things that truly define America are pathology, reckless cluelessness, getting caught with our pants down and a constitutional incapacity to learn from our prior mistakes. That about sums it up. Sad, but we really need to face the horrible truth about ourselves as people. Certainly, Adrian Bankert, this was a period also for a lot of hard realities that people confronted or or rude awakenings as well for lack of a better way of describing it yeah and i and i mean for a reality check or for um as you said you know being awakened some people calling it reckoning um i there's still such a need for kindness and empathy and compassion on every side you know i, I think i think people are tired of and fatigued by fighting they really want to come together and to come to answers. And we need to keep our head in the game and be problem solvers and not just criticizers or complainers. And I think that that's something that we all have to work on every day because our nature might not be that way, you know, right when we get out of bed in the morning, you know, did you wake up on the right side of the bed? Um, And everyone's entitled to their emotions and their feelings, but we need people who will keep their head in the game and say, I want to be, be a part of the solution for us. That's and again, needed. yeah, Adrian Bankard is author of Your Hidden Superpower, The Kindness That Makes You Unbeatable at Work and Connects You with Anyone. Adrian Bankard is also national correspondent at ABC News. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go next to Angela in San Rafael. Hi, Angela. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, what I would say to myself at the beginning of or pre-pandemic is call your doctor and get a prescription for antidepressants right away. Um, This was something that I uh, did about six or seven months into the pandemic, and I could have benefited from that Mm. way sooner. Um, I had a stigma about that for a long time. And um, it's literally changed my life and my response to stress and anxiety. I'm grateful for it. Angela, thanks for sharing that because we have gotten a lot of comments from people saying take care of your mental health. So appreciate that. You know, Adrian Bankert, we are in a year and we're still in it. I mean, we're not, the pandemic isn't over. So we're kind of, you know, sort of mid-pandemic almost reflecting on our pandemic year. Right. Um, and it, I, I guess it is really very soon, I think, in some ways too soon to even fully fathom all that we've both lost and gained, uh, though things are happening. I mean, we know that the vaccines are here and people are giving themselves permission to do more, like gather or travel. But I wonder if you have any thoughts on how to prepare for life after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I think for all of us, we need to take stock of what we did need during the most intense times and what we're going to need moving forward. You know, I had a really important conversation with someone in my life who we had not always had the best relationship, but all of this stuff that we're all going through has made it painfully clear that we can't afford another issue if we can help it, if we, as much as it depends on us, we should be working towards resolving arguments, bringing peace, um, helping others. And I think that that lends itself to the strongest mental health and emotional health you can have. I mean, 
you have to do whatever you need, um, whatever your doctor is, is suggesting or diagnosing. But at the same time, like a lot of these mental health struggles come from fractured relationships and arguments that went unresolved and emotions that went unresolved. And so to me, mental health is more than just um, a diagnosis. It's a conversation and it takes many different tactics. So you have to sit down and get really honest, journal and decide like, what do I think I need? And then maybe talk to either somebody clinical or a friend or a, a very close family member and say, can you just be very honest with me? What do you think I need? to add to my life or maybe take out of my life? Are there relationships that should it should, you know, they've reached an expiration point. Are there relationships that need to be mended? And that will let your brain and your mind, your soul, your heart rest a lot easier every night. Well, a couple of final comments. This is writes, don't be a jerk. No, really stop, think and don't. None of the over half million people who died of COVID ever thought it would happen to them. Just like you're thinking it now, actions have consequences. Count your blessings every day. Be part of a virtuous cycle. Another person writes, don't become too attached to your plans. And uh, this will change you and you'll be better for it was one that was definitely a common theme in all of this. Well, Adrian Banker, really appreciate having you on today as we reflect on this pandemic year and the advice that we give our pre-pandemic selves and future selves. <laughs> yes, yes. As long as we can look to the future, you know, we can give ourselves that look back, but then also look ahead and just have our eye on the prize of, you know, where, where do we want to go? Where do we see the world? Where do we see ourselves? And is that a beautiful picture or is it something we need to start painting Mm. for ourselves? Well, thank you. And thank you to our listeners for sharing so much and to Carly Severn for sharing the helping us with gathering the responses. Susan Britton produced this segment. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, The smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.